all part of the Mike Ashley legend. Joe Kinnear getting appointed for a second time is just, it's probably up there among the most baffling. Today we'll print the absolute truth. You think we're we can I think that was about as good as it got. The away game where he necked a pint in about five seconds. You're born a magpie, you're born to support Newcastle United. It's something that's kind of given me sleepless nights. Until he goes, the club can't get any better and it never will get any better. That's me done. That's me done. After months of feverish excitement in the northeast of England, gloom has set in once again. Newcastle United have begun their 14th season under the ownership of Mike Ashley and there is little sign that anything will change soon. The issues between the Premier League and the Saudi Arabian consortium look insurmountable. So what now and where do Newcastle United go from here? In this, the final episode of our series, you'll hear from the people who know Newcastle United better than anyone. I'm your host Adam Leventhal and this is Beyond the Headline. I think they're a little bit back to square one. News and investigations reporter for The Athletic, Matt Slater. We're aware of, let's say, two other, you know, bits that have, have, uh, well, bits, two other interested parties that have attracted some some media attention. One is this this sort of Henry Maristra fellow in the States. Not a great deal known about him. I've never been entirely convinced that he's got enough money. I wonder if he's a front for somebody else. We know there's been American interest in the past. Peter Kenyon, the former former sort of Chelsea Manchester United director that was fronting a bid. He was playing the Amanda Stavely role a year or so ago. Uh, there was another Saudi bid. So look, Newcastle United have been attractive. They, they, you know, they remain attractive. They are a, uh, a one-club city, the history, the passion of the fans, the big stadium. But it doesn't change the fundamentals for me that there is a club available there with a very willing seller who named a price, you know, it's about 300 million, you know, give or take 10% either way. Someone someone will one day, and I've said this to Newcastle United fans, one day someone really, really boring will inform you that they've bought the club. And that'll be the first you hear of it because that's how the really successful takeovers normally play out. You find out when it's done. Senior writer for The Athletic, Oliver Kay. I can totally understand how it's got to a point where where they, they feel like, you know, any change, any change of ownership is um, is better than um, you know continuing on the same road and just continuing to drift under Mike Ashley's ownership. But I, I know I know a lot of the supporters are you know did share those um, those concerns and 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 t- took a very sort of pragmatic view of the takeover and saying, well, you know, th- there's nothing we can really do about it, and there is potentially an upside. In terms of on the pitch, even even if the um, even if the publicity off the pitch is is worse. Chairman of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, Alex Hurst. I honestly think that Newcastle United is probably the best club to buy in terms of how quickly it could be turned around and how quickly it could be moved forward. But if that's the case, surely there must be other interested parties who are in the market for a Premier League football club. Newcastle United correspondent for The Athletic, Chris Woff. In terms of alternatives, well, Henry Maurice, a US businessman, chief executive of Clear TV in the US, he's been linked over the last few months. There's a lot of question marks over whether he would have the money and exactly what he would do. That's got a little bit quiet, but at the same time, 
as far as I'm aware, that deal hasn't hasn't been pulled either. So there's an opportunity for him potentially. We've had the Bellagraph Nova Group, which uh, they are basically the money comes from Singapore, but they're a French based group they've made a lot of noise made a lot of claims which have, have, have many of which have proven to be uh basically stretching the truth if if, if not uh probably quite outlandish and i think that one's unlikely although that's backed by michael chopra the, the former uh, newcastle striker so there are groups in and around who, who would look at newcastle united there has been interest from other parties as well but are we close to anything in a covid world where mike ashley wants 300 million plus at this stage, I can't. I, I'm not going to pretend to Newcastle fans that I can see the club being sold imminently. Unfortunately, I, I think that for, for at least the foreseeable future, going into the start of the of the of the 2021 season, that Mike Ashley is going to remain as owner. Senior writer for the Athletic, George Colkin. The one thing that I'm optimistic about is that Ashley is determined to sell and is determined to get out. Now, he may decide that that's just not a realistic prospect in the current climate, which you know, you can certainly understand, bearing in mind, you know, the, the lack of people who'll be coming through the door spending money and stuff like that. I mean, I, it does feel it does feel like a bad time to do it. But his, for once, I don't doubt his motivations. One of the great ironies about this summer, and it's, it's sort of astonishing, really, is that for the first time ever, everybody at the club has been aligned about one thing. The, cl- the fans have wanted Ashley out. There has been buyers who want in and have the money to do it, and Ashley wants out. So everybody has been united at Newcastle about one thing for the first time, and it still hasn't happened. And okay, the, there are obviously good reasons why it's not happened, but it feels like that feels like the cruelest of ironies of all that you have this willing buyer, you have a willing seller, you have fans desperate for something to happen, and it's still fallen through. So with all of these distractions going on, have Newcastle United lost sight of who they are as a club and what their aims are in a wider sporting context? The club are kind of quite happy with the status quo of of staying in the Premier League and collecting, going, you know, passing, going, collecting their their sky money every year and, and maintaining that. Host of Pod on the Tyne podcast, Taylor Payne. But I think from a fan's point of view, if you take away... If you take away that element of progression and of competition and of actually competing for things and things being better, then what, what are you left with, really? You know, that's that's kind of that's the point of sport, isn't it? You want you want your team to win and you want your team to get better when when they do win. And at the time in the nineties uh, and at times in the two thousands as well, when Bobby Robson was there, it always felt like a possibility. You know, it always felt like the team had the chance of going further or doing better or winning a cup. And now it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that at all. It it it, it feels like the, the team are stagnant. Like they're a, they're a bit of a zombie club. Really, they're just sort of bumping along every season. And occasionally we might flirt with the uh, the Europa League or something like that. But more often than not, it's a flirt with the other way. It's a flirt with the Championship. When you take that away from football, you know that that excitement of winning something. That that you kind of you lose an element of it. You know. You lose something magical, which you don't have. It, 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 it's what gives fans that, you know, that that ability to dream about something great happening. And nothing great has happened at Newcastle United for a long, long time. There, there is this huge feeling of deflation around the place. It's important to remember that before lockdown happened, and the stadiums were emptied, that Newcastle gave away 
10,000 part season tickets last season which is astonishing really because if you think about what what Newcastle has become known for in the modern era it's been never winning a fucking thing and people turning up regardless albeit the never winning anything has carried on the notion of the stadium being full and people just turning up has gone Manager Steve Bruce took over last summer to a distinct lack of acclaim from the supporters. Even though Bruce was born in the region and supported the club as a boy, the fans expected more than a former Sunderland manager whose last two positions had been with football league clubs. I don't think the negativity that surrounded Steve Bruce being appointed again was necessarily reflective of all feelings towards Bruce. I think more of it was again towards Ashley and the fact that Rafa Benitez had just left and so Bruce has been caught up within all of that and was he an underwhelming appointment? Yes he certainly was uh, given that again he'd come from a championship club, he hadn't managed in the Premier League for a few years and there are some fans who have, have never accepted him and, and will never accept him for those reasons. There are others who uh, have sort of warmed to him or others who think, he, given the circumstances, he has done a pretty good job. And I, th- I think that that's what you have to do with, with Mike Ashley's Newcastle United is you have to put everything, unfortunately, in that wider context of what is the situation Steve Bruce is in. If you look at the 13 years under, under Mike Ashley when they've been in the Premier League, their average finishing position in the Premier League is something like 13th. Now, the last, certainly the last three years have been a struggle and it's not necessarily a struggle that's reflected in their final final league positions. So, is there optimism? No, there really isn't. The job he's done so far has been fine. I mean, it's been dreadful as a fan, but the, the, the job has, has been fine. You know, he, he, he said he would come in to take us forward. That hasn't happened, but, but you know, it was never going to happen. Yeah, I think he's he's starting to find that working for Ashley is difficult. You know, the, they said there was money to spend in January, we didn't buy anyone. And now even though the Premier League clubs are, are you know, operating in a reduced market because of the pandemic. So if other clubs are improving and we are standing still at least, you can only go backwards. And I think if Steve Bruce was to keep the team up this season, it would be it would be uh, a, a good job from his perspective. It's still dreadful considering what Steve Bruce replaced. You know, again, Steve Bruce talked a lot about taking us forward, playing better football, building on things, and that just simply hasn't happened. But I think realistically, as long as the clubs in the Premier League are, are remain confident that it'll eventually be sold, once you get relegated again, you go back into that five-year cycle of trying to get back up. Then when you come back up, you've just lost £100 million trying to do it. Then you've got to get financially stable, and then you're two or three years down the line, and it kind of takes like half a decade each time it happens so we need to stay in the Premier League I know fans hate that I hate it but in terms of trying to get the club away from Mike Ashley I think it's the uh, the only option Tactical analyst for The Athletic Michael Cox Again I think you can come back to the uh, you know the expected goals data eight years after uh, that Pardew season and, and the same kind of people will tell you that again Newcastle were overachieved through uh good finishes and particularly from set piece goals um i don't know whether there's something they are doing in particular to be so prolific from set pieces but they had a lot of goals from those situations and just a lot of goals from defenders in general i mean the proportion of their goals scored by defenders was far higher than anyone else in the premier league and again you 
wouldn't really say that's something you'd expect to carry on for a second season. So I think Bruce did a decent job in, in difficult circumstances coming in when obviously the fans were disappointed to see the, the back of Benitez. But I do have a sense he probably got a little bit lucky last season. Some of the football was absolutely god-awful. It was terrible at times. I just think there's got to be more to life than this, hasn't there? Got, there's got to be more to, to life than Steve Bruce coming out and saying, well, let's... You know, with his with his voice like a lovely little old woman. <laughs> well, you know, lads, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's been great. It's we don't we need to pick up where we left off after lockdown, um, where actually we only won two games out of ten. You know, there's more life than this, isn't there? Surely, there's more life than Steve Bruce. There's got to be. It's a common accusation of rival supporters that Newcastle United fans have unrealistic expectations, that they haven't adjusted to the realities of 21st century football and are still expecting to compete for silverware. But is this fair? I mean, Newcastle fans get this thing levelled at them of having our expectations are too high and we we think we deserve to be in the top four and we think we deserve to be in the Champions League and we we should be winning the Premier League and all this sort of stuff. And it couldn't be further from the truth that that lazy kind of stereotype of Newcastle fans is is really annoying to us because we never ever said that we demanded these things that we wanted you know instant success we just wanted to feel like there was an opportunity that we were working towards something former board member of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust Linda Bush all we want to do all we ask we just want to compete we want to compete and be you know have at least a chance of winning the lack of ambition in the club in the last 10, 12 years, it's just, it's flattened people in this, in this city. And I don't know if we'll ever regain it. I think it, it could be a, um, it could be a legacy lost. Oliver Kay. Newcastle could be, you know, could be a huge club. I mean, it, if we talk now about a big six in, in English football and, and then with, say, Leicester and Wolves and on a good day, Everton as the, um, as the clubs who are threatening to make, you know, expand that into a big seven, big eight, big nine. They were, I think, finished thirteenth the year that the year before um, Mike Ashley came in, and you know they, you wouldn't have said that Tottenham were um, far ahead of Newcastle in terms of potential at that time. It couldn't be that difficult to get Newcastle United right, you know, in terms of in terms of the size of the fan base they have locally, one one club city, the tradition that they had with you know, and, and the players that they had with you know, with obviously Shearer had just retired, but. You know, they had Michael Owen and Mark Viduka and Obafemi Martins and I, I can't think whether Jonathan Woodgate and others were there, but, but they, had, they had a lot of big name players there at that time. A big wage bill, certainly, and, and it, it felt like all you needed to do is, is, after a couple of years of drift, you know, work out who were the good players to, to invest in and, and, and move on some of the, some of the others, get, get a top-class manager in and, and you know, make a few... Top class additions, and they would have been, you know, really threatening to to move onwards and upwards. Newcastle United correspondent for the Athletic, Chris Woff. He spent the last thirteen years trying as much as he can to make Newcastle self sustainable. TCC basically pay for itself. I can't see him suddenly in a in a world where finances are stretched even further. Him turning around and putting more money into Newcastle United. So, but equally, he has a de- delicate balance to, to strike here because if he 
allows Newcastle United to reach a point where they were relegated, then any hopes you would have of getting three hundred million pounds plus for the club would just diminish significantly, and and the cost of the club as a Championship club would reduce significantly. And he would then either have to spend a lot of money to try and get them back to the Premier League, or accept a significantly reduced prices in the FL club. I think if it had been run with any real passion under under Mike Ashley's ownership and 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 with ambition and also with appointing the right kind of people where where you are you know constantly striving for improvement i think they would undoubtedly undoubtedly have been a a much stronger premier league team and they probably wouldn't have got relegated once never mind twice and they probably would have you know at least been as a top 6 top 7 club and and in europe regularly yeah i think it wouldn't have been difficult at all to do that but mike ashley's made it look extremely difficult People's surprise, Newcastle United made what can only be described as a series of sensible signings this summer. Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser arrived from Bournemouth, Jeff Hendrick came in on a free from Burnley and they bought promising left-back Jamal Lewis from Norwich. Senior writer for The Athletic, George Culkin. It's startling to see Newcastle behave like a normal football club and that takes a bit of getting used to. But they've listened to their manager. For once, they've listened to their manager. And Steve Bruce's sort of mantra this summer has been for all the things that are happening in the world at the moment, not just connected to Newcastle, but, you know, with the fixture list that is coming up, with these all these fixtures crammed together, Newcastle could not afford to be taking risks in in the market. And they've they've behaved very sensibly. And you can sort of drive yourself mad trying to sort of find logic in Mike Ashley because he just does not, you know, he's so unpredictable and just doesn't conform to sort of any of the norms when it comes to football. But he has to protect his investment as well. And if he's still determined to get out of the club, which he is, then he won't want to get relegated. And I think what they've done is they've shored themselves up and they've done it in a way that's kind of efficient and sensible. So, is this new approach a sign that, with the takeover unlikely to be revived again anytime soon, Mike Ashley has reaffirmed his commitment to Newcastle United? Not quite. These signings are more to do with keeping Newcastle United in the Premier League, so Ashley's investment is protected because, after all, he does still want to leave. I think the interesting thing right now is that his enthusiasm is about leaving. <laughs> and we've seen this sort of very strange... Uh, sort of narrative develop over the past sort of few weeks where maybe Mike Ashley is as popular as he as he ever has been at Newcastle and that's because he's on the same side as Newcastle fans. They want him out and he wants out. And so we've kind of seen this strange thing when he took on the Premier League with that statement and then has doubled down by saying, you know, with the with the sort of news that he has he has taken on legal uh, legal counsel. He's fighting the Premier League. So he's fighting the cause that Newcastle fans have been fighting this summer. And of course the ultimate aim of that is to get is to get him out. So it's this very strange it's this very strange thing where everybody's in it together and they're in it to try and get him out of the club. So who could Newcastle United be like? 
Michael Cox. I think Tottenham would be the side to to aim for, but I'm not necessarily sure what you'd say their model would be. I mean, obviously, they in recent years, they appointed Pochettino, and I think that was the catalyst to them becoming a side who reached the European Cup final. But I'd argue that their transformation really came before that, when they went from being a mid-table side to challenging for the Champions League places under Harry Redknapp. And that felt a little bit more uh, organic, a little bit more you know, some elements of luck in terms of Gareth Bale transforming into a, a brilliant world-class footballer. So, yeah, I would say Tottenham as a side who, you know, a traditionally big club who hadn't really challenged for the top places for quite a few years before that and are now seen as part of the big six, despite, I think, in terms of their financial resources being, uh, you know, much more modest compared to the other sides. So I guess the main lesson from that really would be you know, a, a good managerial appointment, someone like Pochettino, who obviously was in the Premier League uh, and we knew about him, but he was also quite a astute appointment, I think, because he he took Tottenham to much greater heights than he ever did Southampton. So I, th- I, I think that uh, Daniel Levy obviously deserves a lot of credit for that appointment. Um, and yeah, just one good managerial appointment, I think, can change so much. As the 2020-21 season began, no supporters in England were allowed to attend matches. But when the doors finally open at St James's Park, will the fans come flooding back? Alex Hurst. Yes, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, who knows what it'll look like. Most likely be sat alone, um, not with friends. And you might not be sat in your own seat. And you might not be able to go to the games you want to go to. You'll be allocated games. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be there supporting the club. The club. In my opinion, belongs to the fans. Um, I completely understand why people have stopped going. But for me, uh, I do what I can in other areas to try and help supporters and help the club uh, rather than non-attendance. I'm not saying that's better than anyone else. But yeah, to me, if Newcastle are playing at home, I'll be there. Linda Bush. No, I won't be there. I love football. Absolutely love football. My, my life revolves around football. I love the game. The game, there's something so special about the game, but I am not getting the same back from the club that I love, and I'm not prepared to stand on the terraces and support the men's team. And don't get me wrong, I'm 100% black and white. I bleed black and white. You know, I know that sounds really cheesy. I love Newcastle United, but right now, the future for me as, as a loyal supporter is that um, you know I, I won't be standing on the Gallagher um, while Mike Ashley's the owner, and that's probably the stance I'm going to take from here on in. No, no, I'll not be there. No, I said, I, I said, I said when Rafa went, uh, I wouldn't be back until until Mike Ashley was gone. That's me done. It makes me really sad. I love going to football. I love it. Absolutely, I sound like Kevin Keegan there. Uh, I love it. I love going to. I would love it to go to football. I, I do. I really love going. And um, and I've I've got a little boy who's nine who's obsessed with football, and is obsessed with Newcastle United. And I want to take him. And he hasn't been to a game for two years, and neither have I. And I feel guilty for depriving him of that. But at the same time, I said I would not give that man another penny of my money while while he was running the club in the way he was. That's my choice. I don't expect that of anybody else. I would never put pressure on anyone else for doing that or for or for going. You know, if people want to go, that's entirely up to them. But as things stand, until he goes, the club can't get any better and it never will get any better. That's me done. That has me done.
That was the last episode in this three-part series of Beyond the Headline, but there's more on the way. Subscribe now and make sure you don't miss out. Beyond the Headline was produced by Abby Patterson for The Athletic. The reporting was by Nick Miller and Ian McIntosh. Executive producer was Ian McIntosh. For more information about the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, visit nufctrust.co.uk. Hi, this is Taylor Payne, host and one-third of Pod on the Tyne, the Athletics' dedicated Newcastle podcast, and your go-to show for NUFC news, interviews and opinion. So listen to this. Listen to the beauty of this. This is like a, this is a poem. This poem is called Newcastle United. <clears throat> Dwight Gale just tried a flick, but it came off his shoulder. He was offside anyway. The end. <laughs> It pretty much sums everything up, doesn't it? That, that's uh, that's great. Remember, you can listen to Pod on the Time for free wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, also ad-free on the app when you subscribe to the Athletic.